my simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald. I host the weekly Money Making Conversation Masterclass show. The interviews and the information that this show provides are for everyone. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start living your own. My next guest is Stephen A. Smith. In the last five years, Stephen A. Smith has become one of the most powerful media voices in sports commentary. He's also a popular actor on General Hospital. He's a social media influencer, podcast and YouTuber influencer, television producer, the host, executive producer of the number one sports morning show on TV, First Take, and a New York Times bestselling author. We have a lot to talk about. So please welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass show, Stephen A. Smith. How you doing, my brother? What's going on, man? How are you? How's everything, man? Excuse me for these big headphones that I have on. They ain't mine. You know, they're heavy, but you know, at least it's the only way I can hear you. It's the only way I can hear you. I appreciate them having these headphones for me. Well, I appreciate it. Taking the, you taking the time because I know West Coast, East Coast, where you at? I'm in L.A. right now. I'm just taking care of some business out here. I had to film some scenes for General Hospital. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, I've got some individual business ventures I've been working on as well. So, Right. So we share Emmy Award winning in uh, uh, General Hospital, huh? Yeah, they won about seven Emmys. I mean, I didn't, won, I didn't win one individually. I mean, I'm not on that level. Um, I just make guest appearances. My character's name is Brick. I'm a surveillance expert for the mob, uh, but I come in and out. I'm not a regular everyday cast member. So because of that, um, I wasn't I wasn't able to, uh, to to apply for any of those categories to win an Emmy. But who knows? One day I might. Who knows? OK, Stephen, A. sports, sports, sports. Right. You're a regular you know, recurring actor on General Hospital. How did you become a General Hospital fan? Well, I've been a General Hospital fan since I was a kid. Um, growing up with four older sisters um, and my late brother, and uh, we'd come home from school and, you know, we only had two TVs in the house. And if you wanted to watch TV, it was on General Hospital. It was either <laughs> that or do your homework. 
And none of us wanted to do homework after we had just spent seven, eight hours in school. So mm-hmm. because of that, we were like, hell with that. We'll watch General Hospital. And I've been watching General Hospital since I was like seven, eight years old. And I've never stopped since. Wow. So that's kind of like a, can we say a childhood dream come true to be a yeah, regular? I think, so. I, think, I think so, because I mean, I, I love the soap. I've grown to love it throughout the years. One of my pet peeves whenever I'm working is if somebody bothers me, between 3 and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, they better have a damn good reason for interrupting me because they know I'm watching General Hospital. So if they're bothering me, it's going to be a problem. So in, in that regard, to, to grow up watching it and some of these characters, like the star of the show has been on the show for nearly 30 years. And to go from watching him and being a fan of his to literally working with him, it's just an extreme, extreme honor uh, that I can't, I really, really can't put into words. It really is fascinate for me to jump in there and then not only that it's helped me develop the acting bug because right. i didn't ask for it i just wanted to make an appearance and mm-hmm. executive producer frank valentini who won obviously an emmy and then you've got a uh, maurice bernard to start the show instantly said do you have time to do this we want to make this a recurring role for you after i made one appearance for them and i've been on the show now for seven years and wow they, they believe i can act and they believe that i should dedicate more time to acting Uh, The one thing that I will acknowledge and will admit that I've become very, very fascinated about with acting, you know it, but to actually perform the craft and do it, you really, it really, really hits home for you. I love the fact that you're allowed to be whatever the character allows. It's like we say that and we know that's the case looking at what they do when they're working, but to actually be on the job having to perform and to be somebody else at that, at, at a particular moment in time, it, it's, it's hard to put into words the feeling that you get when you pull that off to pull it off like that is something special. Now, some people will say that on first take, you playing a character is Stephen A. Smith on first take Stephen A. Smith or a commentary version of who you really are. No, no, no. It's me. It's me. Um, the, you know, when I'm on general hospital, I'm acting. I'm really right. acting when I'm on first take. All I'm doing is showing different facets of my personality. Right. Like, you know, I know sports and, you know, on per, on on first take, you want to be informed. You want to articulate your positions. You want to show the range that you have in terms of being serious one minute, comical the next, et cetera, et cetera. That's me. That's who I am, according to my sisters. That's who I am, according to my 15 nieces and nephews. It's who I was to my wonderful mother who passed away in 2017, God rest her soul, and my father who passed away in 2018. I mean, those are the, guys, those are the things that they know, they've always known about me, the facets of my personality, the multitude uh, of personalities that I have is what people see on first take. Right. Here's something interesting, Stephen A., Watching you on TV, there's a love, there's a passion that drives you, I'm sure. What did you think your biggest asset, your voice, your intellect, or your passion? I can't separate the three. Um, The aspiration, the desire to have a voice can't come from not knowing anything. You have to be informed. Um, when you're informed, you have to have a passion and a desire to express yourself to the masses. And the only reason you should want to do that is because you want to have an impact. 
you want to make a difference. I'm executive producing and co-producing as a production company, a docu-series called Up for Debate. Um, that's going to be coming out probably around February or so mm -hmm. uh, in concert with religion and sports. Uh, doing that, what do I say in there? I talk about being a voice, tinkering and touching and leaning towards that third rail and making sure uh, that you're positioning yourself to have an impact and to make a difference. Uh, the people that I have working with me and for me, people like yourself, Rashawn McDonald, people like my guy, Michael Onofrey and various others. It matters, you know, associating yourself with people who share your vision, your passion, your zest and a, and a willingness to be a voice, knowing that puts you in the lion's den. It puts you in the eye of the proverbial storm. It's going to make people come at you. You got to be the kind of person that stands up and says, OK, I'm here for it. That's what it is. This is what it's all about. And that's who I am. And that's who I've always been. And that's who I've always aspired to be. And um, that's why the other day when I was doing my show, the Stephen A. Smith show, my podcast last show um, on YouTube, um, I ended the show by paying tribute to Bryant Gumbel. Right. Bryant Gumbel is a pioneer. He's one of the greatest voices and one of the greatest reputable journalists we've ever seen in American history. And I felt it was compelled considering the years of excellence that he had put forth that I took time to recognize as a young black man, what he meant to me, what he's meant to our people, to our culture, by tackling the issues that he's tackled with the intellect, the knowledge, the substance, the passion that comes with it. I owed that to him. And, you know, he reached back out to me and, and thanked me from the bottom of his wow. heart for saying what I said. And I just said to him, what's the thank you know, I should be thanking you. We all should. Right. Um, and, and, and that's what I hope somebody, you know, a bunch of people are able to look at me when my day comes and they're able to say the same thing about me. There's another person that inspires you. He's not with us. His name's Howard Cosell. Yeah. He's a person that many times in conversations with you, you say, I wanted to be Howard Cosell. When you look at Brian Gumble and Howard Cosell, what are the similarities? We know he's an African-American, Brian Gumble, but what was the inspiration with Howard Cosell? Well, Howard Cosell was a voice. Um, he was somebody who was incredibly opinionated, unapologetic about it, and I think spawned and sparked debate television. Because no matter what followed in the years to come, even though he wasn't quote unquote debating, he was perceived as being such a polarizing figure at time, a white Jewish individual willing to stand by Muhammad Ali's side and, and say that he had every right to want to be called Muhammad Ali instead of Cassius Clay. That's his name. That's what he wants to be called. He deserves that respect. It's not about what he did. It's about when he did it. And when he did it is what crystallizes the significance of what he did. And that is pointing out that you got to be willing to stand up in front of the storm and be willing to embrace it and absorb it because of what you believe is right. That was Howard Cosell. And he was the one that showed us the way because he was the first one to do it. And they gave a license to him to do it. He profited off of it because obviously he was being paid handsomely to do it. And then he turned around and in the aftermath of doing all of that, 
ultimately ESPN came along. And when ESPN came along, you know, you usually would have the mentality, you know what, Howard Cosell could do that, but none of us could. But then when ESPN came along, you said, yes, we could. Yes. Because the platform was available for us to do those things. So in Howard Cosell, I'll give him all the credit in the world for that. With Brian Gumbel, he does that too. And he should be revered for it because he did it with such intellectual brilliance um, that you just can't deny how special of a talent Brian Gumbel was all of these years. The difference, however, is that Brian Gumbel was a host. Howard Cosell was not. Howard Cosell was a pundit and he was a commentator. And obviously he did some reporting. Bryant Gumble did it all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Plus he executive produced. Plus he led. Plus he pioneered in so many different other ways. And as a black man, to be able to do that from the 70s up until right now mm-hmm. is astronomical and incomparable in so many ways that I can't even begin to describe. Wow. First take. Let's go back to first take. Yeah. Um, record numbers. Yeah. I've read in the media over 600,000. That's the average, highest average in the history. Mm-hmm. Pre COVID numbers, history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you brought two individuals onto your show. You're executive producer of First Take, yeah. Mad Dog Russo. Why did you bring Mad Dog Russo on your show? Because I wanted white America to know that I don't just care about what black people say alone. I want to care about what everybody says and I want to care about everybody's perspective. It's not just about black. It's not just about white. It's not just about young. It's also about middle-aged and older folks. It's not just about males. It's about females too. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to have the kind of show that everybody knows they're invited, that everybody knows that they're included. I remember when I had my show, quite frankly, on ESPN two from 2005 to 2007, when I reflect on that show, which was on the air for 18 months, 327 shows where I interviewed about 780 guests. What I reflect upon most was the fact that there were some people who felt left out. Right. That I wasn't including them in the show, that the show was with somebody else. That's not what you're in this business for. You know, my roots are rooted in journalism. Yes, I've evolved and I've become a personality and a pundit. I was a general sports columnist. So that gave me a a license to opine and editorialize and give my opinions. But my base, my foundation uh, evolves around the tenets of journalism. And when you think like a journalist, you don't think for or towards a monolithic audience. You think about everyone. You might want one community to hear you more so than others because your message on a day-to-day basis, depending on the subject may be aimed towards them, but the message is not just for them. It's for everybody. It might be about them, but it's not for just them. It's for everybody. And so when I was, you know, on first take, the first order of business was to make sure that I showed all the multitude, uh, you know, the multiple facets of my personality So I could be inclusionary and come across as inclusionary in that regard. You know, people, you know, I could be comedic. I could be serious. um, I could be straightforward. I could deviate. I could be rambunctious, petulant, you know, (laughs) comical. The list goes on and on. You just never know with me. And I definitely wanted to do that. But then when I became the executive producer, it was an obligation to make sure the show represented that not just me. 
And so that's what I've gone about the business of doing. Um, Mad Dog Russo being added, Shannon Sharp being added, Ryan Clark, Marcus Spears already being there, Mina Kimes, Kimberly Martin. Of course, my partner in crime, Molly Karam, who does a sensational job. I have no desire to do the show without her. I love her to death, even though I would never tell her, don't echo, don't air that. I don't want her to know how much love I have for her because her head is big enough. It'll just get bigger. But she's 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 absolutely wonderful. And, you know, and then you see people like Monica McNutt, uh, J.J. Yes. Reddick, Jay Williams, Kendrick Perkins. Can't forget my big bro, Kendrick Perkins. You know, when you look and Brian Windhorst now makes major contributions to the show. And I'm not finished. I've got more parts and pieces that I intend to add, uh, things that I want to do. Um, and as long as I'm at ESPN and they give me the license to do it, I'll do the best that I can. I've been number one for over 12 years. Hopefully it'll be 13, 14 and beyond. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Cool. Um, when When we talk about success, and you're, why is Stephen A. Smith popular? I don't know. I mean, I don't wake up thinking about popularity. But you are popular. Yes, I accept that. You know, you got nearly 14 million followers on social media, and you got a YouTube channel that's nearly reached 450,000 subscribers in nine months. I guess that equates to popularity in this day and age. Okay, so be it. Um, but I aim for more. I'm just getting started. And um, I don't wake up thinking about my popularity. I wake up thinking about being successful um, and how can I put my head down and put forth the work that's going to ensure my success. I think the thing that any employer, whether it be present or prospective or future employers or whatever the case may be, I think the one thing that people talk about how I work hard. Yes. They don't understand the discipline I exercise. You do because you've known me for over 20 years, but most people don't. They don't understand how little I think about um, the fruits of my labor. Yes. 
you know, you tell me one of the popular statements you make to me all the time is I am, you have never seen, cause you called me a superstar. I never felt that way, but you say you've never seen a superstar like me. You really, really think you're ordinary. I drive myself 95% of the times instead of using car service. I walk through airports, you know, 95% of the times instead of flying private. Um, you know, I, 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 it is nothing, nothing. You know, this, it is nothing for people to just turn around one day and to see me standing in a white castle or McDonald's, <laughs> you know, I'm not sending somebody in it for me. I usually do it myself. I mean, I don't care, you know, unless mm-hmm. it's my man, Juvie or Sumatra. I mean, uh, I'm usually doing that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's like people are shocked at how ordinary and your to use your words, regular, I conduct myself. And it's a very simple reason why I do that. Cause I don't think about all of that. I think about the work. I don't think about the success I intend to reap from it. I expect that I expect to win. I expect to be one of the best at whatever I choose to do. I expect the rewards to be reaped at some point, but it's not what I spend a lot of time thinking about as it pertains to popularity and what that ultimately can reap. Because in the end, I believe when you're married to the work, it will speak for itself. And the phrase that I used to use is when Kevin Garnett got a $126 million contract or, you know, or Kobe Bryant got his money and stuff like that. I said, these brothers are filthy rich and they play like they're starving. Mm-hmm. I work like I'm starving. I work every day. And so when I think about people who want to go up against me, who think they could do what I can do and, think they can enjoy the same level of success and all of that stuff. The number one reason I'm so confident is because I just find it hard to believe that most people are going to match my work ethic and my commitment to being great at what I do, no matter how much money I'm making or not making. Cool. Stephen, 2018, you had a plan. And you invited me into the heart of that pan. You said, Rashawn, I'm putting together a dream team. And in 2018, you didn't have a TikTok account. In 2018, you didn't have a LinkedIn account. Mm-hmm. You were still debating your Instagram account. You had Facebook and Twitter was your biggest account, which is X now. Right. What was the plan? If you can reveal to people what that plan was was back then because we see it being played out right now with your popularity, with your organic, with your show that you just said, 450,000 subscribers in nine months. Almost. But in 2018, it started with your plan. Well, <clears throat> I think the mistake that a lot of people make is they focus on the money, but not how you acquire it. Right. I, working at ESPN, on the number one show, in total fairness to them, I'm paid a pretty handsome salary. No question about it. But that was never going to be enough for me. And it never will be enough for me. Because there, I I can honestly sit here and tell you that in my perfect world, if I could work for ESPN and the Walt Disney family for the rest of my career. I would do it. 
Right. So long as there's a separate part of my life that has a level of independence that's completely not associated with that. Right. Because there's this itch that you get in life when you've spent your life producing for others. And most people that I know, that itch is, what am I capable of without those others? Denzel is a phenomenal actor. Right. He's directed. He's produced. Why? That doesn't, that's not acting. Why he do those other things? Because he had a desire to branch out and to see what he's capable of. Antoine Fuqua has become a dear friend of mine. He's not just a director. He's a producer. Mm. You've seen comedians. You've seen actors. You've seen musicians. You've seen journalists, pundits, even with the executives themselves. Well, you at ESPN, why you leave? You at Disney, why you leave? You're at Warner Brothers Discovery. What you what you go for? Um, you know, you're an agent. You're going out and you and you you start your own business. Why? You weren't making enough money? Of course you were making money. It wasn't enough. Not that the money, the dollars weren't enough. But there's this itch to feed yourself, to fuel yourself, to inspire you to get up every day and to feel refreshed. It's like going to a sauna. And have the temperature up at 150 degrees and, and then walk out in the 98. You're going to feel different. Get in yes, a cold sir. plunge and sit there and freeze for 10 minutes. And then get up and, and expose yourself to that same temperature and see how you're going to feel. It's something different that fuels and inspires you to get up. And reach for more. And when you see, when you wake up one day and you have achieved a level of success and you see that you've done all that you can do on this level, right. you're wondering what's at this level. What's at this level? What's here? What's there? That's your itch. And it's just something that I have. And in 2018, it was necessary. It wasn't just because I lost my job in 2009, because I was unemployed with a daughter and expecting another. It wasn't just that I didn't have but so much money in the bank. It was that I left myself at the mercy of one entity. I didn't plan and coordinate a future without them even though I knew I didn't want a future without them. And that's the difference between me then and in 2018 when I put the wheels in motion to be exactly what I am now. My YouTube channel is very important to me for one reason and one reason only. It's all mine, 100%. Mm -hmm. Masters, RSS feed, you know, IPs, everything. It's all mine. Nobody has it. Nobody owns it. It's mine. And it is what I make it. And to know that I have the opportunity to position myself, to not have to depend on others, 
is the fuel that I needed to feel inspired. And that's why when people look at me now and they say, yo, Stephen A., what's going on with you, man? You look like you lost some weight. You look great. You look in great shape. Man, I'm not playing. I'm, I'm 56, and I haven't felt this better, this good since my early 30s. Wow. The health that I'm in, I've lost 30 pounds. I've lost 14 points of body fat. Um, I eat better. I exercise a minimum of five days a week. Um, I take my vitamins and supplements. I'm focused because I'm not interested in being alive. I'm interested in living. And you're not living when you're stagnant or you're deteriorating or you're not elevating. You're only living when you're working on elevating, even if you're not elevating yet, like there's not tangible evidence to show, Rashawn, that you're elevating. Right. If you're working towards it, you feel alive because there's purpose. And that's where I'm at. Cool. As we close out the show, you have a book, Straight Shooter, New York yeah. Times bestseller. Yeah. Comes out in, it's out in paperback. Not comes out. It's out in paperback. Yeah, it is. Why you wrote it and why are you so proud of it? Well, first of all, I love how you ask these rhetorical questions like you want to know when you're the, you know, you're the instigator for half <laughs> make me sick. I mean, I didn't want to write the damn book, to be quite honest with you. I really, really didn't do it, you know. And then I said to you, yeah, I want to write the book. But, you know, if I'm going to write a book, there's only one book I can write. It's my memoir. I don't feel I should write anything before I write that. Um, but, you know. People were bugging me since 2009 when I lost my job at ESPN to write a book. But they wanted me to write some tell-all book. They just don't know me very well. I don't play that game. I would never do that to any employee. I don't play that nonsense. Um, I would always defend myself against anybody, but I'm not going to be, you know, some tell-all book. And not, not, I'm, I'm too gifted, too skilled, too principled to make my money that way. Right. And so... When people came to me and wanted me to do that, I said no. And then they said, well, write about your memoir and stuff like that. And I talked to my mother about it. This was in 2010. Janice Smith, the greatest woman that I've ever known, greatest human being I've ever known, who I love dearly and miss every day. She said to me, you absolutely positively will not write a book while I'm alive. Because she knew how much I loved her. And she knew that if I wrote a book, it would be dedicated to her. That's why it's entitled Straight Shooter. It's a dedication to my mom. And she knew that if I dedicated a book to her, I would have to talk about her greatness. And the only way to talk about her greatness is to talk about and highlight what she overcame, which would involve my father. And my mother did not want me to do that. And so she made me promise that I would never, ever write my memoir until she passed away. And when she passed away in 2017, I didn't think about it for about a year, year and a half. And then people started bringing it up. And then somebody, I don't know who the hell this person was, rolled up on Rashawn McDonald and was like, you need to get Stephen A to write a book. And then this dude, Rashawn McDonald, proceeded to bug the living hell out of me every damn day for about a year until I finally said, okay, 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 I'll do it. 
And then when I started writing it, um, it took me about four, four and a half months. I wrote every word myself. Um, had an editor, not a ghostwriter. Had you help me edit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I wrote the book, the first thing I, I, you know, it took me four and a half months. But it took me about two and a half to three months mm-hmm. to get through two chapters. And you know what those two chapters were. Yeah. It was revisiting my childhood, my situation with my father, the things he put my mother and my family through. And um, when that happened, that was, um, that made it very, very difficult because the first two weeks, I, I, I didn't even finish the book. I just sent the excerpts to my sisters and they didn't speak to me for two weeks or four of them. I thought they were mad at me but they weren't mad. They were just going through it themselves because the things that I had mentioned were what they forgot about. And for a long time I had forgotten about. Right. And so to bring those things up to the surface forced us to relive the hell that we had gone through when we were younger. And it was really, really painful um, to say the least, Um, but necessary and cathartic in its own ways. And then ultimately I finished the book and lo and behold, it's a New York Times bestseller for nine weeks, both paperback, I'm sorry, and hardcover, I'm sorry, and audio. Um, and I can't tell you, I still get stopped on the streets. You know, the book's been out for almost a year and I get stopped on the streets all the time. People loved my book. Um, I got to give major, major thanks to Howard Stern. Um, because the interview he did with me about my book, there has not been a city that I have traveled to since that interview that somebody hasn't brought up that interview with Howard Stern. Many, many people have interviewed me and profiled the book and given me a lot of love and a lot of praise. They thought it was going to be a sports book. It's not a sports book. Um, And they gave me a lot of praise and a lot of props for that. But that Howard Stern interview is what people, what I, I, I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, I've had people come up to me and say they read the book again because wow. of the Howard Stern interview. Wow. They said we read it once, but then after the Howard Stern interview, we read it again because we was like, wait a minute, did we, did, where did he say that? Did, I missed that. Like, let me go right. back to that. And mm-hmm. so, and now Simon and Schuster put it in paperback and um, it's expected to be a success again. I think we've sold over 400,000 copies or so mm-hmm. way around there, whatever. Again, it's been a New York times bestseller. That's the creme de la creme doesn't get any higher than that. Um, and for me to think about the kid that got left back in fourth grade, cause I had a first grade reading level. I had undiagnosed dyslexia uh, for me to be a professional journalist in my career and now a writer who's a New York Times best-selling author. I mean, damn. I mean, how can we possibly say there isn't a higher power looking over us? The Lord has truly, truly blessed me. And I apologize for saying damn preceding that statement. Stephen A. He's uh, my friend. Uh, somebody I trust. Somebody who's been there in my down times. Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation Masterclass show. You're mm-hmm. brilliant, brother. I, I wish you much good I- luck. 
I appreciate the kind words, but you know, you could have stretched it a little bit long. I mean, it was really quick with the kind words, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, you spent about, you know, 20 seconds on the kind words and stuff like that. When I, when I praise Rashawn McDonald, I'm lengthy with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I, I put it out there. I make it, I let it marinate and stay out there for a while. Well, you know, I'm trying to do, you, you, you I'm trying to do my Brian Gumble moment. You, you in and out in 20 seconds. All right. All right. <laughs> Love you, brother. Stay I strong, man. Hey, man, like I said, Stephen A., you're one of a kind, brother. I, you are a guy that, um, let me just tell you, he said it. I've never in my life met a superstar like you, brother. Not so much your work, but your heart, man. Your heart is incredibly passionate, loyal, and honest. Because you've had some honest conversations with me, and I appreciate you. And I need it. Now that's 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 good time. Now see that's lit. that's lit. that's what's better. that's better. <laughs> All right, bro. Love take you. it easy. See you later, Stephen A. Smith. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Money Making Conversations Masterclass. Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald is produced by Thirty Eight Fifteen Media Inc. More information about 3815 Media Inc. is available at 3815media.com. And always remember to lead with your gifts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.